Hello and thanks for tuning in to Hardly TV History, where three idiots talk about two TV shows for a probable audience of one. As usual, I am joined here by my co-hosts, Christian and Jake. Hey, everyone. Hey, how you doing? And I am, of course, Shannon, but you already knew that because I'm the reason you're tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) So, which TV shows are we going to talk about? Well, um, you're going to hear a little bit of sadness tinged in my voice today because I did not have a good time. Uh, this last week, um, we are doing two shows that are interconnected by vapid uh, wastes of human flesh, I think is how I'm going to describe both of these shows. You can tell the mood Shannon's in straight off the bat. I, I'm very annoyed that I had to watch these two shows. I We, we watched, uh, for you, for the listening public, we watched Sex and the City and Entourage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I have either genuinely enjoyed one or both of the shows we've done here at Hardly TV History. Will today be any different? <laughs> well, let's let's find out, people, good people in the audience. Who has the unfortunate task of, of talking about our first show? I, I drew the short straw, Shannon. Oh, that is a short, short straw. Yeah. Uh, Basically, How are you going to get a drink out of that straw? Like, that straw is so short. How are you even going to get... We're talking about shot glass and a short straw. Like, That's how are you going to get your swilly Pepsi Max up into that mouth of yours? <laughs> <laughs> so, Sex in the City, for anyone who hasn't uh, seen it, and most probably males haven't, uh, Sex in the City is basically the story of Carrie Bradshaw. She's a journalist who works in an unnamed magazine at the start. Um, and basically, she's a, a sex columnist. I believe is her official title. Uh, she talks about sex and the city. Now, she has three friends, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda. Now, I think everyone probably knows those names because they're pretty pretty well-known across the world. The ubiquitous. Uh, yes, I think everyone knows those. Basically, they're her three friends, and she writes um, stories about, about what um, they experience in their sex lives. And you kind of follow uh, Carrie around for her first... Uh, for her first story and she runs into uh, a few different people and they have sex and um, she meets someone in a limo, Mr. Big, they call him. And everyone knows Mr. Big, I believe as well. Like it's, it's fairly commonly known that Carrie and Mr. Big are a, are a big item. Um, and then the, 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 the show ends is basically how it starts with. Yeah. And look, it, it, it took me straight back to the time when I was a sex columnist for that short period of time. <laughs> Uh, you know, it really rang true for me. No um, one wanted to read that in high school, Shane. No, it was just scrawled on a bathroom wall. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if you ever went to pee down at <laughs> secondary. <laughs> They're yeah. probably still uh, admiring your handiwork to this day. Let's let's start at the start of Sex in the City, Shane. I, I tried really hard here, Shan, to not be me and look at it as someone who... Because this, this show isn't made for me. I don't want to watch it. I don't really care about it. It doesn't threaten me at all. But I watched it twice. And the second time I watched it, I really wanted to put myself in the mindset of someone who would like it. I thought the stockings and the high heels were an overkill for you to watch it, to be honest. I thought you can do that without dressing. You've got to be in the part, Shan. You've got to be in the part. Look, everyone admires your your dedication to the task here. I'm pretty sure that's called method acting in um, in, in, Met- in the entertainment world. Method reviewing. Yeah, yeah. I, and then I think we, this is, we're going to start this off now. This is a new trend. We're going to method review. We're going to dress up as at least one of the characters each time we watch something. Yeah. Can we make a commitment now on, on audio <laughs> that we're going to do that? 
Yeah, we'll, we'll try. No. We'll try. No. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a feeling like if we do the wire, um, someone's is going to dress up as bubbles and you know not wash for like three months. And I'm going to eat nothing but crab while I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're, we're procrastinating instead yes. of talking about. Okay, so so Sex in the City now. Um, first of all, it's it's one of the most iconic shows about New York City, and I really think the the city wasn't represented very well in the first episode. Like I really I really thought that honing on the New York City aspect of it, and it really was lacking for me, um, which I thought was really interesting. There's some very New York things. She she mentions going to a, a gallery opening as somewhere to meet someone, which. I've yeah, never been to a gallery opening before, so it's it's very New York. She said it's very New York City, but galleries could be. I thought galleries would be like, like LA. It could be anywhere. There wasn't real. I didn't feel like L, uh, New York was going to be part of the the like a character, which I which I assumed it would have been going in. Well, I, I think I think it was to a degree in in that the city came is portrayed as a bit of a. A heartless and cold place, and I certainly got that sense from um, a lot of the scenes in the in the show, especially the struggles they had with getting taxis and getting and, around the place. And and let's not forget the whole premise of the of this opening show. This this whole is that men in New York are only interested in banging and leaving, right? And she, mm-hmm. the whole idea is that she's going to write a column about what it's like to be a female trying to have sex like a male is what yep. the premise of her, her column is. Mm-hmm. And she seems to paint this as a very New York thing. This is men in New York don't want relationships and women are kind of, you know, they get to 30 or 40 in their past relationships. And this is exclusively some fabled New York issue or problem that, that she's facing. Um, and so, you know, that in, in, with that in mind, New York is a very central focus of, of this show um, I think it's a fallacy. I, th- I don't think it's real, but I think, I think she she seems to think that they're so obnoxious. Let's just let's just say it outright. I think they're incredibly obnoxious characters. The males or the females? All of them. Everyone oh, I see. Really? Every single person. Yeah, I thought everyone was really obnoxious, and they're very. And if that's the purpose, I think having having watched a lot of uh, media set in New York, I think New York people have an inflated sense of self-importance about themselves and their city. And she seems to think that this is a microcosm that only stuff like this happens in New York. So I, 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 I take the point that New York was a very focal point, but in an obnoxious way. That's how I read it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about the way they talked about New York. I was more, more about the, the, the picturesque of it. I, I expected more cinematography from, from New York. You, you wanted uh, friends, effectively. You wanted well, shots I, I, of... I did, I did. I mean, considering how important or how iconic New York is to Sex in the City, I, I kind of did. I, did. I wanted to see that that um, the landscape and the this is where we are. Remind you every five seconds of where you are. Um, which I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it was a bit surprising to me that they didn't they didn't really hone in on that and really pump hard into it. Minus, sorry, the pump, the pun there. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one, and um, see, I did I did pick up the themes of the city, um, but it was you know almost universally in the sort of negative way. I do note that Carrie speaks quite positively of it and talks about it being you know sort of the center of the world, and it's definitely a, and a key theme of the of the show is sort of set around fashion and the importance of you know having you know really good clothing, and she talks about spending hundreds of dollars on shoes and and talk about that being sort of a 
a pretty standard experience for women in her demographic living in New York. Um, and I think the centrality of, of that fashion industry, you know, located around New York is, is quite important in that regard for, for her. So I sort of saw the city as important, but probably not not massively important for the plot. The, pl- mm. the plot could have probably taken place in any other city. Um, I think they've, they've just picked New York because it's an iconic place with you know a, a fashion sort of central um a fashion industry center and also it's also a hub for the entertainment industry in, in that you know carries a writer and I mean, there's a, a big um a big media presence in new york yeah you couldn't sit it in ohio like it's not you've got to set uh, it, it in, a big, a, big city, in a big yeah. fashion capital a big city. it has to well even a even a, it has to be a big fashion capital um where where people are, it's a destination place. It's it's almost mythical. New York is a bit like Hollywood, um, and Jake and I have been to Hollywood, and Hollywood as a whole. So so the reality of of being there versus the the glimmer of sort of that aspirational drive to be. I can't think of another place in the world that has that kind of um, mythological kind of character of of being in that city. I don't think it could be said anywhere else for that reason because they're all um, they're all well paid, successful women. Well, they've got high power jobs. Yeah, except yeah. for Carrie, which you know, yeah, she's a as a newspaper columnist. How much money is she pulling? But in? I think I think it's kind of in, implied that she's a fairly famous or um, influential columnist. Is what is what I got based on her apartment. Yeah, but enough um, to enough to be buying six hundred dollars shoes, like. How much are these people raking in? Yeah. You've also got to take into account it's a bit like, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a TV show, and so the actual economics of it might not stack up. And I'm just thinking of, you know, friends are all living in pretty decent-sized apartments, you know, which were sort of smack bang in the middle of the city, just down the road from Central Park, yada, yada. So The only thing I'll say about that is that they kind of imply figures early, but they say the guy makes $2 million. So they are conscious of it, so they must be a little bit conscious of, which each career has and how much money it makes because they've, they've mentioned that early. Mm. So I think I think the four women are quite quite successful. One's a lawyer, uh, publicist, and I don't remember what Charlotte was. Um, she's an art dealer. Art dealer. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that they're 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 highly influential or highly um, paid individuals. But I just I don't know about Carrie. Carrie's the only one. But I I, I get the feeling she's successful. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that New York has is that it's quite glamorous. And I think glamour is is one of the key themes that comes through this this episode as as a as a theme. Um they're operating in a world, they're seeking to be glamorous, they're 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 going to gallery openings, meeting movers or shakers, you know, famous people. So that allure of glamour is very important to, to those characters. Um and then the the sort of the key the key to me for the whole episode was really the importance of the interpersonal relationship between Carrie and her group of friends and the different stories. Um, I thought it was really interesting, the the narrative style that was being used, like, you know, Carrie's writing her article um, and she's actually narrating that to the audience and there's periods in there where she breaks the fourth wall and actually talks directly to the camera um, to, to explain something. I felt like they were doing like a documentary and that's what, that's what I kind of got from it. They were documentary and the way they were talking to the camera, the way they were shooting was more documentary-like. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I was a bit, bit concerned to start with. I, I was kind of knowing that the show is about four women. We, we had a lot of talking heads kind of directly and, and there was a lot of men and statistics and people that I wasn't sure whether they were going to be, whether this was the pilot 
and we were looking at something that had evolved to purely be a, be about her friends or whether we do we need to remember at, them kind of thing yeah because i was like mm. well these who are these guys and why do we care about these guys kind of talking directly at camera which i thought was a really weird was a really weird move yeah. um I, I don't remember. All all of the girls talk directly to camera too, don't they? The four main main characters all talk at some point directly to uh, I her. I don't think Samantha does. I think she's the only one who does Her it. introduction is odd too, right? Because Charlotte and the other one, Cynthia Nixon, whatever her name is. Miranda. Was, Miranda, thank you. Whenever she talks, they, they get their sort of introduction moment and Samantha gets a group introduction mm. without directly uh, talking to camera. Um, yeah, which yeah. was an odd choice. I wonder if that's availability and the way they shot it, or something like that, or that well, they didn't, well, the cast didn't like each other. I don't necessarily think so. I think they portray Samantha as a different, as a different, a slightly different character, or sort of a, a different um, place because Carrie's talking about you know wanting to explore this whole women having sex like men thing, and, and Miranda and, and and Charlotte are, are, are sort of talking about about that, and you know there are different stages in their journey. Whereas they all talk about Samantha as being the one who's already far ahead. Who's already living that life, and you know, no holds barred is is out there and is kind of their their example to follow. So that sort of sort of speaks to me about Samantha being a little bit on the outer um, at that at that point in the in the you know characters arc. I just wonder if if uh, Samantha's the kind of inspiration for Carrie's articles, and mm. each week or each episode is going to be a different sex trend. Is what I'm kind of getting from it, but I can't picture it being that full on all the time. Yeah, we're talking um, about a really, really popular columnist who exclusively writes about sex. Yeah, Doesn't like really how much true. how much material do you really have? Well, it's it's sex years. and dating, and that's why the focus on 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 her column is really about is really about talking um, about you know women trying to liberate themselves effectively and 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 you know, have sex like men. And she describes the the, the toxic bachelor, you know, the guy who's in his mid thirties, very wealthy, who's in a bit of a power trip. Um, and I sort of. I tweaked at that because I'm, you know, I'm familiar with, as I'm sure we all are over the past couple of years, the sort of trend, uh, not, not so much a trend, but this sort of subculture that's sort of forming that's very, you know, anti-feminist and anti-woman, um, you know, they, they sort of call it the manosphere, um, and which is, you know, fairly toxic and, and, and pretty ugly to look at in a lot of time, a lot of cases. Um, I thought that that was a really interesting observation back in 1998, um, and we've seen that develop in, in you know, as society moving forward and into the point where we have you know effectively this, this weird internet um, subculture of incels and people who believe in the manosphere and, and you know anti-feminism. So I thought that was a really interesting observation. But those toxic men get to stay toxic single men, right? Like. That's that's the whole point, isn't it? That they that they're rich and there's a there's a subset of people who will find that attractive, but they're ultimately very shallow, toxic men. And in mm. the end, the the bloke who talks is kind of labelled as a toxic bachelor ends up hooking up with Samantha at the end of the the episode. So Samantha's the sort of type that will will happily kind of delve into a very toxic person for a very short amount of time. Well, that's actually a really interesting. Observation because that was one of the things I noted down as well was that for all the talk about you know women wanting to have sex like men and and you know giving up on love and, and just wanting to embrace that lifestyle, um, none of them are actually very happy with it. And even in that scene where where um, where Samantha ends up hooking up with the the toxic guy, um, she actually sort of looks away from the camera and actually looks sad and disappointed um, when the guy says you know, says we're you're going to have to leave before before the morning. Um, 
she looks disappointed and sad, and that kind of um, builds into a th- one of the themes that I picked up uh, on the show is, you know, just, despite it being very heavy on sex and, and dating and whatnot, it talks about, you know, the hollowness and the, and the difficulty in, in forming interpersonal relationships and, and, and surviving in that dating culture. So mm-hmm. I, I think that was, um, that was a, a theme that probably um, is, is easy to miss if you're not sort of looking, looking closely. Well, that's what I thought, Carrie. Um, Carrie experiencing it and and then meeting the guy for the second time, and having that kind of feeling like I don't feel empowered anymore. She even says mm. the monologue says um, that she doesn't. She should feel more empowered, but she's not. And I think they're trying to show the difference between men and women um, in that sense. And um, and then she kind of meets Mister Big, and I don't I don't know about you, but that the way he talks really fucking irks me. Like, yeah, really irks me. We we know Chris Noth can act, right? Yes, we've seen yes. him. He's he does this this blanket character pretty well. Like we've seen him on Law and Order is probably the other thing he's most well known for. Um where he plays a detective doing, you know, very similar stuff. Is he just bad in this pilot? I think he's just bad in this pilot. And that line, have you ever been in love? Absolutely. I wanted to jump through the screen and punch him in the face. Yeah. That is one of the worst delivered lines I think I've ever heard. It's not a great a line show. anyway. Like it's no, not. It's a, not. It's not a but good the way line. the way he says it, and just that last scene of really really got to me. And I was, I was thinking, you don't want to end a pilot on a really cheesy line like that. You want to kind of, like I know they kind of they kind of shot it as like a sad ending, which was really odd to me as well. There was no really positive outcome for anyone in that in that the last couple of minutes. Mm. Um, and they really ended it on a sour note, which was really odd choice for me, I thought, as well. Well, I thought that was kind of fitting, considering the journey that the characters have been through through that episode, which was ultimately, you know, the hollowness that, that the lifestyle that they're sort of talking about and they're exploring is sort of leading them to. They're not very satisfied with it. And that kind of reveals the interesting thing about this show that I picked up was it, it, it really shows a contradiction. You know, the characters are seeking to embrace sexualized, uh, casualized dating, but actually finding it really dissatisfying and they're not happy with it. Um, so I, I found that a really interesting narrative, especially when we consider that sex in the city's place in popular culture, where it's, it's sort of, um, you know, uh, it, it's sort of, I'm trying to think of the right words here. Um, it's sort of iconic for being this very glamorous, you know, pro-feminist, pro-sexual um, liberation type type show. At least that's my observation. You know, obviously I'm a man in, in his thirties, and you know, I don't not a really just watch. Not really the target audience. Not really yeah. the target audience, but that's my observation as an outsider looking in. Um, and I found it really interesting that the actual sort of um, subtext in this episode is actually runs completely contrary and counter to that sort of popular narrative. So. Based on the pilot, do you think this is empowering to women? No, I was, the exact, I, was, I was about to say the exact same thing. I don't. I didn't feel that any of the powers, any of the characters, were empowered. They all kind of fell off. Their their dates were very bad, or they ended abruptly. Um, Carrie couldn't find a cab. She she ran into her ex boyfriend, and he kind of took control of the situation. She, Mr. Big had to save her, kind of thing. I didn't feel empowerment from any of these characters, which I which I assumed was going to be the big thing like female strong look how strong we are in this well, first episode I, I think samantha's probably the only one that to me demonstrates someone who's completely comfortable with her lot where, where she's at in life and and she kind of she chases mr big she she you know has one thing on her mind and she pursues that she, she is she our she's our, our typical our stereotypical male character in that sense that what what we traditionally think is a male behavior 
is that kind of being pursuing someone and, and, and only being after sex. Whereas Carrie kind of gets a little doe-eyed around Mr. Big. So she's immediately kind of seen as this kind of, you know, and, and need, it's, she's a damsel that needs to be rescued at the end of the episode by, by you know, a man. Miranda comes off as really aggressive and shrew and just kind of really nasty to the bloke who's been quite not, who's, who's set up as one of the only male characters who's loving, caring, um, a nice guy. And she just treats him like crap that whole time. But, but Carrie says that she's going to treat him like crap. Like, I don't understand her. There was no explanation why she was going to do that. Like, why she was setting up a, a nice guy with someone who's going to treat her like that. By the and way, I wanted, to, I wanted to thump that dude. Like, that dude was doing a bad Woody <laughs> Allen impersonation. And I di- don't know what that was about, but I did not like whatever he was laying down. He was that fumbly, typical New York, over-the-top, pain-in-the-ass character that I wanted to slap around. If I, was, I would have been mean to him, too, if I was Miranda. But he was, he was such an unlikable character. But she was worse. She was aggressive. This is the, this is the situation that's supposed to make us root for these four central characters. And I left this going, I don't like any of these people. Well, um, are you meant to? I'm not sure if you're meant to like these people. What, what, um, what, what brings you back the next week? Well, uh, the suspicion that I have is that I think the characters are probably relatable um, in, in, in a way to their audience because they're, they're experiencing a struggle that I'm sure that, uh, you know, all people find when they're, you know, entering the dating world and they're trying to, you know, find partners and things. And I think that's probably the, the reason why the show is, 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 so, is so popular. Yeah, but are people um, in New York all that high-powered, like they're high-society kind of people? And I'm not sure a lot of people would connect with that kind of person. Like, I think your average person who's watching it on, you know, HBO, they're not going to be the high-powered um, influencer. and It's supposed to be um, aspirational, right? It's living in New York, oh. being high-powered, but still having the issues that you and I have. So where hmm. it brings it back guess, to our yeah. level. Whereas Seinfeld, you know, as, an, as another... No one but Jerry has any level of success. Elaine keeps getting fired from from jobs. Kramer's doing nothing. George is keeps getting good jobs and losing them, and just being a general, you know, terrible person. They're all terrible people. Hmm. Um, and they all, I mean, that's again, that's aspirational. You look at Jerry and George; they all date very good-looking women. You know, they date a lot of them through the through the the arc. Elaine's constantly picking up very good-looking men. Like it's Kramer gets people, which is baffling because he's he's something has mentally snapped in that man's head and he still picks up people so you know there's a bit of this kind of maybe it's aspiration i'd love that job and that job unlocks the opportunities that these women have but they've still got the same problems that you and i have in terms of um men only want one thing um and you know i'm getting older so therefore my biological clock is ticking and and and, you know as as carrie spells out you know, you've only got a small window to attract a, a, an eligible bachelor and then they become toxic after that. Which, you know, I think, you know, as a man watching it, there's not a really good representation of any men other than even even the guy that we're, you know, we're supposed to probably wish the best for, the Woody Allen nervous type, ends up just being a giant pain in the ass who who, who can't even stand up for himself. So there's no good men representation in this whole thing, is there? No, no, and we've already sort of talked, touched on Mr. Big. He's not particularly represented too favourably for us. He's. Um, I think he's meant to be the guy you, you root for because he's he's got the. He didn't go home with Samantha. He's you know he's. Rich he turns down Samantha. That's it. That's like his that, whole. That, that's his big thing. 
But the way he talks, man, I just I couldn't get past the way he was he was arrogant yet distant. And I'm not sure if that was a character he was going for, but I just you instantly hated the guy. Like I did yeah. anyway. It's like a kind of nonchalant aloofness, isn't it? That but, um, he sort of gives off. Badly. Well, maybe I don't know if it's just an acting choice or he just was told the wrong thing. But yeah, I'm not sure what was going on there. Yeah, but I also but, think he's performing to a stereotype, um, and he's and he's trying to sort of pr- promote that that stereotype. There's, there's this sort of I don't want to say perfect guy, but that's kind of the image that he's. That's kind of the vibe that he's trying to give off. He's like the you know the the. He's the, the tall, goose. dark, and handsome type, right? Yeah, but he's, yeah. He's right. clearly older than others in the show. Mm. Like he's clearly an older. He's the next uh, Trump, so yeah. So he, he's he's supposed to be kind of this. He he's the he's supposed to be the archetype, eligible bachelor, not to- toxic bachelor. Like he's mm. the he's the one that we're supposed to go. Oh, he's what everyone should go for, and he kind of just comes off like a knob, mm. and and that's that's the part that kind of. I don't quite understand whether it's just the acting and maybe that gets better um, as the series progresses or whether that's just how he is and we're supposed to accept that. I don't know. I, I just left this I left this not liking any of the characters that I saw. But that's, that's what I mean by the ending, is that he went from, like, you go from the guy you're meant to be following to the guy just acts like a complete knob. And, that, and that's how it ends, with her kind of either baffled looking down the street or sad looking down the street. Where I thought if you would have ended it with her going, oh my God, this guy's amazing, it might have been a little bit more uplifting, a little bit better way to ending it. If he was, if he was better in the cab. Yeah, this character's supposed to remind her that love exists. Exactly. And that you should follow, you should chase love and not just have physical relationships. Mm. And, and, you know, nothing, nothing we say here is supposed to cast dispersions on whatever you choose to do. If you're consenting adults, um, like I, I don't, I don't buy into any conversations about anyone's right or wrong here. Samantha's lifestyle is no different, to, in my mind, to Carrie's. They're both consenting adults doing doing their thing. Mm. I just, I just don't like them for their their characterizations, and they are. And I mean, it's a little bit hard not to be in a pilot. They, they are very much just stereotypical. Like this, it's the Ninja Turtles issue, right? This is what I'm going to keep going back to: is that <laughs> you have to, and they do. Pr- a pretty good job, I think, in this pilot of, of giving us four distinct personality types, yeah. right? And, you, you know, this has been around for centuries, um, this this four humours thing, or, the, you know, everything sort of comes in fours, and they're all very distinct. You know, Samantha's wild and carefree and does her own thing. Charlotte is uptight and, and, and sort of, you know, very much controlled and wants to a very prim and proper um, outlook. You've got kind of the hard-ass Miranda who's just kind of cynical and aggressive. And then Carrie's kind of the leader, the the more level-headed. She sort of, t- you know, takes it both, goes a bit both ways. And she's quite she's quite pragmatic in the way she approaches things. We're going to see that in the next show too. Like I- this is this is the cookie cutter cut out of four different characters to, to, to center your show with. Um, and you can run that filter through basically any show that's got four central characters, and you're going to see that they're going to sit within the one that kind of archetype. Only problem is that no one does machines, Shannon, which is a big problem. Well, I think Samantha would given the opportunity. I think that's what we would we would bring out of that. Um, that is the that is the the lowest joke we've we've done here on on hardly TV history, and we are high, highbrow, and we're going to try and keep it highbrow. Sorry, I had to throw something in there. I had to throw oh, it, and I you set me up, and I knocked it out, and that's where we were going. Um, 
but moving on to our second our second uh, show, um, which is Entourage, um, and yeah, I, I'm going to throw it. Um, for a bit before you start ranting, before before, before you start, start before you start have a bit of a meltdown and 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 really give away your your opinion, Shannon. Um, so I'll give a bit of a breakdown of of the the pilot episode of Entourage. So the show follows um, a, a recently success, successful actor named Vincent Chase and his entourage, uh, which is his group of friends. It includes um, his brother, who is actually a less successful actor himself um, and the story in the episode revolves around the decision on whether or not um, Vincent should do a, a particular movie that's being pushed by his um, agent a fellow named Ari um, and it, the episode explores the tension between Ari and um, Eric who is Vincent's friend um, and is kind of sort of falling into a bit of a role of a, his pseudo personal manager or, or, or life manager um, as opposed to Ari, who is actually his, I suppose his, his work manager who's, who's getting him his jobs agent. and his, his agent. agent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and, and what develops through the episode is, is that Vince relies much more heavily on Eric's judgment and decision-making about, you know, what he should, shouldn't do um, in order to look out for his own personal interest. Um, the really interesting thing is that I found with this episode was just how unlikable <laughs> some, some, maybe not all, but but most of the characters in this episode really are incredibly unlikable people. Um, Vince, the actor, doesn't actually read the scripts that he's given. Um, he relies on Eric to actually read them for him and tell him if they're any good and if he should do them. Um, and when he actually tries to read them, he really loses focus and actually can't do it. Um, it, it so the stuff you were saying earlier on Shannon about the, the characters not being likable is, is, is spot on. There's some real issues there. Um, and I haven't even got to the, the, the talks about the, the, the discussion about um, Vincent's other friend who just seems to be a sex crazed juvenile. Turtle. Tur- he <laughs> turtle. Is, that's his yeah. name is turtle, name, turtle who drives a big yellow Hummer. Hummer which yeah. is the perfect which is so, which is perfect for two thousand like just, the year 2000, what, 2003? 2004. 2004. It's a perfect year for that kind of wanker car. Now, who, who, who wants to launch a spirited defense of this show? Because it, it's, you, might, you might be sensing something coming that I, I like, I'm not I'm a massive say, fan gonna, of this. I'm going to say it right now. I like Entourage. Um, I've watched it twice all the way through. The, the pilot episode really gets the tone of what the show is going to be like um, all the way through. You get that... that um, that Eric's basically the manager. He's going to run Vince's life. Vince is a, basically a child who can act and is good looking. And then the other two kind of revolve around sex is how it works. And you have Ari, who I think is one of the most brilliant characters in all of television um, when he really gets going later on. But the pilot episode takes a tone of what it's going to be and doesn't really change from the rest of the series, which is either a really good thing for some people or a really bad thing for other people. And I think the biggest problem about this show is the, the portrayal of the female character. Um, and that's the problem all the way through the show. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a big problem because the, the, the women in the show are definitely treated as objects that the, the boys pursue and, um, uh, and basically want to have sex with and get them to come around to their house and party with them. Um, there's a scene where they, where they, they pick up a bunch of girls and bring them back to Vincent's house and um, they're all swimming around in the pool and carrying on. Um, but the, by the next morning, the girls are gone. They've left before the before you know, the boys have um, gotten up and started interacting with each other, so they've just disappeared into the ether. I think the biggest problem overall is the fact that they're willing participants. Mm-hmm. They're not tricked. They're not 
promised things that they're not going to be getting. Yep. They all willingly throw themselves at Vince. Yeah, and they're, they're anyone it, they're yeah, that's, that, that's the whole thing. Caricatures, like, and they but they do it all the way through the show. And I'm not sure if this is real life. I'm not sure if this is how people are around movie stars. They're just so in love with the movie stars they throw themselves at them. I picture that very hard to believe. Um, but it's 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 loosely based on um, Marky Mark's uh, Mark Wahlberg's early career. Forever known as Marky Mark on this podcast. Yes, Marky Mark. <laughs> Marky Mark. That's, that's what it's known as. Yep. Great. And I'm not sure if this is his uh, twisted delusion of what things were, or this is how things really were. I mean, we don't know what it was like or what they act like. But from the very, very, very get-go, um, they everyone knows who Vince is because obviously he's a famous movie star. The guys seem to know most of the girls in this location um, and they happily just talk to them like like rubbish from the very start. Yeah. Um, they is, they, really they barely mention names. They they simply mm. talk about their assets being their Your bodies. Yeah. They, yes. this, is, this is the ultimate male fantasy. You know, living in Hollywood, being an actor really not doing a lot and having a bunch of pe- yes men to tell you that you're doing a great job and to just go and get shit for you. Um, and, and someone like turtle who, who has a conversation with one of the, the females who follows them back, who they're radio contest winners or something yeah, like that. And so, and so he's like, everyone else is gone. I'm, I'm the best bet. And she's happy at the end of it after, after getting with turtle because he gives her a pair of Vincent's jeans. Yeah. Like this pathetic woman that rocks up and just wants to be tangentially linked. Um, I, I hate everybody in this show. I, I detest the characters and what they stand for me. I, I live, I, I romanticize actors like my whole i have a podcast two podcasts that i generally talk about movies and tv shows and i'm one of these people that likes to think that actors get along with other actors and that the friends of cast we're all buddies that hang around and have barbecues on weekends i don't want to see these people be obnoxious horrible people and so i i don't want to think that this exists in hollywood maybe it does but i don't i don't want to see it i don't want this look behind the curtain and I think that's where, that's where you differ between me, Shan, because I, I I want to see, I, I want to see movie stars acting like human beings and how humans would act. Um, I like to see the what really is like between choosing a role. Does your does your agent or your personal manager go? The script sucks, therefore don't do it. And the are movie we star suggesting goes, that okay, is the real thing. Are we are we actually suggesting that Eve- the the, the character? I, I will say they're meant to be based on Mark Wahlberg's life. There is a real life E. And there is a real-life Johnny drama. The only person who's not made up is Turtle. Okay. Um, Ari Gold is meant to be a real agent that they dealt with. And it's meant to be based... I'm not sure how like how solid it is, but they are meant to be based on real people. Well, I think Mark Wilberg needs to find his E and punch him in the face for the happening to start with because <laughs> what was behind that choice? But also, that just makes Mark Wilberg look like a terrible person. And well, he's, he's I don't think they're hiding he that. Up. He pops up mm. for two seconds as he walks past. Um, I, I, let's talk cast because let's talk about something positive. The cast is perfect for these yes. for these people, um, yep. except maybe E. I'm not a massive fan of of him. Um, really? No, I, I'd like. He him. does struggle, I think, in this in this pilot. See, I, 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 I didn't mind. I, it. I actually found him the, the the most likable character out of the whole lot. He's the most likable, sure, but I don't actually know that the actor is doing a good job. I think it's it's brilliant to to cast a, a, a the, the brother of a very successful actor in the Johnny Drama role. To have <laughs> Kevin Dillon in that role is, yep. is brilliant casting. 
Um, uh, he's, you know, he's so good. He's perfect for the role. He's perfect. He, he does really great. He's a, he's a fascinating character, and you just know that there's going to be some more tension coming out of, out of that dynamic a bit later on down the road. I found the character, I've been calling him Eric, but obviously you know, you know, him, as, you know him as E. Yeah. Um, I found his character perfectly fine. He seemed he came across very much as a fish out of water. Yeah, that might be because maybe the actor was actually you know, out of his depth and was struggling a little bit. You know, if so, that just that just helped for me because he seemed very unsure of himself trying to navigate this unfamiliar world that he's only been in for a little while and still very new to to what's going on around him. So I, I got that sense. And he, he was probably the only really likable character in that pilot episode for me. Um, apart from, um, yeah, I mean. The thing I like about E is he's only been there 18 months. Hmm. It's their first big movie. And he's basically thrown into this manager role where managers have been doing it for years and years and years. Ari's hmm. been doing it in this business for 15 years. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's got this, his best friend, he's got to deal with his best friend who doesn't really know what he's doing and is kind of winging it. And even he says, you know, do you want me to make decisions for you? So, so what was and, Vincent doing before E turned up? Well, E was always there. Yes. Um, and e, E's always been reading it. But I think E was under the illusion that Vince was still choosing roles that were good for him based on the scripts he was reading. Yeah. And it turns around that Vince is just like, no, nah, I didn't read any of it. I was basing everything on what you said. Um, so what a horrible person. Like yeah. these <laughs> people that are desperate to become actors and he he does one he's not a big actor. Like he he's starting to no, get it's done a two million dollar movie. Yeah, two million dollar movie. It's not huge. And it's um alongside Jessica Alba, which I think back in two thousand and four would have been a, a big deal. So I think it's kind of like a breakout role. But like this is his a, breakout role, but before yeah, that he wasn't. She would have been doing Get Dark Angel that stuff. Right. Yeah. So what he, he is just the worst. Like he's he's a terrible, yes. terrible character. Um, who who is coasting on good looks? That's it. Like he's got he's got some semblance of talent, I guess. Um, oh, but what, but oh. what I love about this show is that they they kind of paint the picture of who they are very very early, and they really don't straight like they stray away from that. They from the whole series, you've got E's kind of lost, got a fish out of water. Um, spoiler alert: he, get, he takes on a bit more of a senior role in the management um, way. I think in the very next episode. Um, um, Turtle has no real drive. He's just there to coast off Vince. And Johnny's a really, really struggling artist uh, whose whose brother's way more famous than him. And Ari is is the the cold hearted, uh, straight down the line, racist. no nonsense, racist, um, hair plugged. Bit, bit more of, Piven needs to lay off the hair plugs. But, um. but, but, but very, he's a very big family man, and that that gets lost in this first episode, which I really, really hate. He changes a lot his point of view towards women in general because he's so dedicated to his wife, um, which is... He's cheating fun. on her in the first yeah, episode. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. In the first episode, he's cheating on her, and in the very next episode, he's so devoted and, you know, say one bad thing about his wife, he's going to knock you out kind of thing. He but changes but a that's, lot. That's men, right? That's, well, that's he men changes a lot. That's a stereotypical mm-hmm. men thing of, I can do what I like, but anyone dare say anything about my precious wife and I'll murder them. Like, it's... Nah, well, it, it, that, that, that dynamic changes a lot about his respect towards... Is family at least in that in that sense? You don't get a sense that he has a family um, in the first episode. Um, this this show but, this show looks its best when Ari and E uh, have that meeting. This yeah. that tension and that dynamic between yeah. those two, where they're they're butting heads, um, and because I think they both genuinely believe they're doing the right thing for for Vince's Vince's career. Yes, so you've definitely. got a genuine dynamic where they're pulling each other apart. Yep. yep. Um, and you know, there's a bit of dick measuring contest going on, but 
But at their heart, I think they're, they're both trying to do the right thing. Mm. I don't know what Turtle's role is other than to be a gopher and just a, be there. Well, that's all he is. He's a there stoner. To, he's a stoner there to drive Vince around. He's basically the driver. Is the general yeah. role of him? Yep. Can, can yep. we can we talk about some of the right? The writing is is garbage. We the the use of female characters is terrible. What the hell is uh, this? Um, Ali Lada in there? She's there for two seconds. He, they call her by her first name, and she wanders off looking for Vince. Th- this is an opportunity to peek behind the curtain at Hollywood, and this is the you've got Mark Wahlberg and Ali Lada, who at that stage would have been a decent enough name, but mm-hmm. they give her no airtime. Like. No. People she's betrayed as a crazy ex-girlfriend. Yes, that, that's right. She comes across as quite, quite aggressive. She's trying to seek him out, and I think they um, they they talk about her at some points during the during the episode as, as someone they're trying to avoid, and because they've you know had a is she playing or herself or is she playing? Yeah, they, they, most, most people who you see are playing themselves in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, a skewed version. You got so you got so many celebrities um, drift their way through this series um, that you see as themselves or a. Or a version of themselves for the screen. That's right. So you saw Mark Wahlberg, Ali Lada, um, were the two that I sort of picked up immediately on and and, and recognised. So that, that that continues through the the, the series as a Jake. Yes, yes. But you get you get so many celebrities. Um, M Night Shyamalan appears. All the directors you can think of. James Cameron is a big part yep. in season five. Um, your mate from Curb the Enthusiasm turns up. Shan. Um, my, my Larry mate, David, Larry he's David there for a little brain. while. Yeah. Basically, yeah. everyone you can poss- possibly think of gets scattered through it. And then your famous actors either have a role about they're playing a different character completely or they ha- they're playing a version of themselves. But yeah, I, I really there's, like that. I found that enjoyable, you know, spotting there's those. There's nothing those below the surface here, right? Like, this, no. is, this is it. This is, there's no deep dive into Hollywood. There's no real exploration of themes or do they are they ever... I don't get the impression these characters ever learn anything. No, look, no, I think that's pushing it a bit too far. The, the theme for this episode for me was insecurity. Basically, the characters are trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to survive in a changed environment and how to find their way. Um, and that was a, a big similarity there with um, with Sex in the City. Like when you strip away all that glitz and glam, and you and you get rid of the the, the sexualization and the you know, crappy treatment of female characters, that's kind of what you what you're left with. If you strip that away, there's nothing. There's an opening. There's an opening theme song, and then the credits. <laughs> like there's nothing left in that show. No, there is a bit but, more, but, but there, there is a big peek behind the curtain further on. Like you see more of the negotiation of what this movie stars go through, um, from reading the scripts to auditioning. Um, there is a there is a bigger deep dive into the into the characters uh, into into the process. Sorry, the characters aren't they're kind of one noted one surface anyway. Um, so that's not really doesn't really change. I mean, obviously so, they go through relationships and things, but that doesn't change that much. So why does it steer so heavily into the objectification of women? So you can do that without them having be completely sex crazed maniacs who continually just talk about females and their bodies. I'd love a show that shows us behind what's what it's genuinely like to be an actor and to have people pulling you in different directions trying to make you do different things you know entourages are real as far as we and you hear them mention of you know the circle of friends and if you've ever read you know you know nw or any of those magazines they're the ones constantly talking to the press you know the insiders the, the sources they're the ones that are constantly telling people what's happening brad and angelina are broken up again all that sort of bullshit so I understand that there are people around these people because they, they don't live normal lives, especially when you're an A celebrity. Mm. You don't have time 
to run your life. And you see that Vince has got cleaners and gardeners and he's, his life is run for him. And he, mm. he makes decisions for him outside of even the sphere of, of anything. He, he does, he, he decides everything. Yeah. Um, but they're also ridiculous in the fact that, um, you know, they talk about getting a $2 million movie and they're talking about buying jets. Like they're, they're completely ridiculous and very inexperienced in this, in this area. Like they're offered a $4 million movie Yep. And he's like, well, should I take it based on the on on the money alone? That, and he's already looking at the G five jets kind of that's thing. That's a five million dollar paycheck, not a five yeah. million dollar budgeted movie. So he gets two million for the Sorry. first movie. Yeah, so like they got, he had a two million dollar first movie, had a five million dollar paycheck or four million dollar paycheck for this movie, and they're already looking at G five jets. They're, they're not obviously smart people, and they haven't they haven't been in the business that long to realize that four million dollars when you live the way you live isn't going to last you a long time. Which, no. which he turns down because his mate thinks the script is boring and a mate who isn't a writer, who's not been in Hollywood for long and used to run an Italian restaurant. These are not good, smart business decisions. But, that, but that's, the whole manager, the, that's the whole yeah. theme of the show is the fact that Vince, Vince is basing his, his whole life on his four friends. It's not just Vince. It's all four of them as one unit working their way through life. But we're and supposed to like E, and E just comes across as someone who's completely inexperienced, but he's who's talking up because he doesn't like something. Yep. Whereas, but he, know, but he also say, he also turns around and says, "No, I don't don't do this based on what I want to do. Read the script and you figure it out yourself." And then he asks E, "What do you think?" And he says, "Well, I don't like it." And then Vince turns around and goes, "Well, that's it then." That's more on Vince than it is on E. But, but he talks uh, to he talks to Ari, and Ari's like, "This is a really good opportunity, and if you need if the if the if the dialogue's no good, we'll get a script doctor in and we'll fix it." Yep, that's but that's that's a, that's a consequence of Ari's skill and experience in that in that industry. He he knows how things work, um, whereas E hasn't got a clue. He doesn't know. So and 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 Ari's trying to explain that to to E in their dinner meeting, but then it all kind of goes to shit. But he's explaining it in a condescending way, which yes. isn't which isn't the way he wants to be talked to. But he has no right not to be talked to that way, as as yeah. um, hmm. as uh, Ari points out. I don't take meetings with you, your kind. So that's so what he's viewer, basically saying. So at the viewer, but, I'm sitting there going, "Who am I supposed to like in this whole show? No, no one's making good decisions. Everyone's terrible. And the only hmm. carrier I might, the person I might side with, Ari, is cheating on his wife and is racist. Yeah. And so it's like, well, what do I do here? Yeah, uh, uh, Ari gets better. Is all I can say. Is all I can say. He doesn't he get better. better as a person. Don't tell me that. I know Ari. No, he doesn't, doesn't get better, better as a person. But he just he 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 turns himself up to an eleven, which is just yeah. He swears more, and he's a he's oh, a he's a no, character. He's, good. He's, he's, good. he's Rick from Rick and Morty. He's a character yeah. you're not yeah, supposed to like. He is. But you like that's, anyway, that's a good comparison, right? actually. Yeah. Well, this whole show is full of caricatures and stereotypes. Um, but you know, just touching on something you were talking about, Shannon, about you know, we, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in in the Hollywood world. I keep thinking about you know the Me Too movement that sort of popped up in the past um, two, year, two years, um, and the stories that sort of come out of that. And you think this show was made back in two thousand and four, so they're probably they're probably documenting or illustrating stereotypes and and um, situations that you know probably realistically very much. Uh, likely to have happened. Can I, I will say though, the the way the guys approach women aren't fellow actresses and actors and directors and um, people who are important to them. They only go after the people who um, are chasing them, the groupies, yeah. if you will. If you want to be that that blunt about it, um, 
not that that's a defending on on what they do or how they behave, but they it's more it's more based on who's following them and who's chasing them, who they can get, not who they can hurt to get young impressionable fans that just want to be close and are like we're seeing we're seeing a lot of content providers now content creators in the youtube space and online that are getting absolutely strung up from this me too movement because they're they're preying on you know young fans and communicating with them one-on-one and that's the that's the vibe i get through this whole thing this show does not get made now no this show cannot be made in 2020 um, yeah. And and even the movie that came out a couple of years ago, I think, is was derived because of that reason. It's it's a it is a time capsule of a of a of a show that is is almost too close to for comfort for me. Like this, I reckon they missed a trick here because if they'd made Ari a female, a strong female agent who stood up, who absolutely like bang tables, was absolutely in charge on top of her game, and and held him to account. I, that that's a, a different power dynamic that I think I could get behind. I really don't want to spoil anything, but there's two characters coming up who are exactly that people. They don't get interested in the pilot, but in the, in the next two seasons, you get two, even three characters who are exactly like that. That's really interesting. Cause, and maybe that sort of, uh, maybe this show sort of documents or illustrates a, 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 like a bridge in Hollywood culture where things started to change a little bit. Um, you know, I've got absolutely no expertise or, 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 or basis to, to say that with any kind of certainty, um, but that would be interesting if that, that was the case. Although I do note that, you know, um, the Me Too movement didn't start to a significant period of time after this show. Um, um, the show was ended, so ended, long, well, long. yeah. I just uh, would really love a strong female character in this, and, and the close they get is Ali Lada, who is a Hollywood actress in and of, its, uh, of herself, who had the opportunity, but he's in, instead just annoyed that she's not allowed to talk to Vince. Like that's that's the best we get as a as a strong. Well, I, I got character. the impression that she was sleeping with Vince and he broke it off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So th- she's an ex girlfriend. She's an ex girlfriend. Right? who's kind of crazy. Who, yeah. who, so what, what do we get? She, this you know this fails the Bechtel test in terms of every female we see is talking about a man or what. N- none of these women are independent in in and of themselves or making decisions in and of themselves. Like they're just th- there's nothing here that actually would make me come back to this show. Nothing here at all. And I'm obsessed with with behind-the-scenes Hollywood stuff. This is not the representation I'd want to see. No, no. But it also might not be the representation that you you would want to see either. Um, and it, and a lot of the... the a lot of the commentary that comes out of Hollywood is that it is actually very vacuous and there is actually a whole heap of bad stuff that happens in the background. Um, yeah. So maybe this show is is so uncomfortable for you because it, it maybe touches on that. I feel like this show would is, is exactly how it is for some people. I think there's a lot of actors who would dive into this kind of um, toxic environment and happily swim there for a long, long time. Uh, and I think, you know, Mark Wahlberg would be one of them. Because you, you hear stories about them rotating girls and treating girls badly and, all that kind of stuff, and I, I feel like this is exactly how it was in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and there's just it was just made ten years later, um, keeping it modern day time. I, I don't think it's so so prevalent now, but I guarantee you that you know most most leading men um, would be able to to pull this kind of this thing off if there was enough females going after them. And I think even even for the females, they'd have no problem if they're a leading lady trying to find 
a man like this kind of content if they wanted to. Um, but I think it's very different than to like some some actors you'd never like, like Tom Hanks you'd never ever see him doing this kind of stuff ever. No, um, no. But people like Mark Wahlberg probably would. I think um, that's I think, the way to make me watch it. I think you replace Vincent with Tom Hanks and make him a wholesome person. <laughs> And all the people around him are just dirty, deprived people. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason we don't get to see this stuff is because it's boring, right? Contract nego- pro- prolonged co- contract negotiations and endless auditions is not something that's... that's we- we've seen the struggling actor as a stereotype through a lot of stuff. Um, have we seen, you know, the, the successful actor or the, the rising actor tribulations? We haven't probably seen that. I think there's a, there's a market for it. I, done properly without all the vacuous crap yeah, you know, the, the the objectification, the constant objectification, the way that this thing shot, the way it lingers on female bodies, I hated all of that. If you can show me, the decision making stuff is fine. That having E there and mm. you know the hangers on that are leeching money, the, constantly taking money or doing stuff. I, I can look past the I can look past the the female objectification. Um, not that I approve of it, but I, I can look past it and enjoy that aspect of it. I like the relationship between Ari and E and Vince and E. Um, I like what they what they're doing with it. I, th- I find that that part of it can I can look past the other stuff that's bad about it. I think we just need to look at this show as as in the context of the time it came out. So it came out in two thousand and four. You know, that's not that long after like American Pie. And I think you know, American Pie. When you look back on it now, uh, I think we've discussed this before um, uh, on the other show where it's not a good show. It, it, the characters in are not doing good things. Um, and same with other other films like um, Euro Trip and, and whatnot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the context of this. This show, I feel, basically tells the same story as Sex in the City in that you've got two groups who are trying to find their way in a changing world. There's different elements of naivety in there, but both of them use a different lens for their audience. Um, it, Sex in the City is a show that sort of is more introspective and it seems to tell a more morally nuanced story. There's, there's a bit more subtlety and sophistication in there. Um Whereas Entourage feels more like a, um, what would you call it? Do you guys ever read those boyhood uh, adventure stories where the 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 you know the heroes go gallivanting off into the into the wilderness and you know have a, have a great time or you know Hardy Boys and things like that? That's kind of what the, the vibe that I get from Entourage Entourage kind of is. Um, so in a way, it's it's sort of juvenile. The, the reason Sex in the City is empowering is because it's actually t- letting females talk about sex for the first time in, in prime time. Like mm. before that, they didn't have a voice. Yep. Males have had a voice for hundreds of years in media. And so this is just, Entourage doesn't, doesn't need to exist in its, in its current form. It, it, it might have something to say about the Hollywood industry, but, but it's not critical of it. It's, it's almost showing us that this is, this is what it's like for all actors. And, yeah. and, you know, this is, Mark Wahlberg's privileged life on screen, and and if if you had you know wanted another reason to dislike Mark Wahlberg, it's this show, right? <laughs> whereas whereas Sex in the City, I think at least gives females a voice in this space where they can unashamedly talk about sex and sexual desires, and and have a have a platform to do that. That's that's great. Just from whether it, the show's clearly not for me for for you guys, it's clearly not that. But it's it's a platform for that, and for that reason alone, and it, and it was successful, so there was an audience there. 
um, there were people watching it. And I think there were enough people who thought, yeah, I can do this now. I can talk openly about this. What the hell is Entourage's message? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's disempowering to females in a, in a way. Like if you were a female watching Entourage, do you, are you enjoying this show at all? You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. And I, I think um, if, if men watched it uh, and, and they weren't, very, weren't particularly juvenile, I think that they wouldn't particularly in, in, enjoy it either. Um, I think but, it's very much targeted at a, at, a, at, a different, at a certain audience that would find that attractive. I mean, I've I got to, in, in my defence, if you will, um, you've got to remember this was, done, this was brought out, what, 16 years ago? Yes. I was 16 at the time when I first watched this. Um, so watching this... Um, now I, I, I relate to it because I, was, I watched it when I was back when I was younger. Um, so now if I watch it with a very fresh, fresh set of eyes, I probably would um, not like it as much as I, as I do. But because I've seen it so early on, it's just, it's just um, a thing that I've seen a long time ago. So it, it, to watch it with a fresh set of eyes now would be very, very different. So in all, with, in all that, first starting with Sex and the City, is, is this a show that you can get behind for the audience to watch? Yeah, look, I I wouldn't watch it because it just it doesn't it, it isn't appealing to me. But I can certainly see it's I think it's actually a better show than Entourage um, for from my own measure of objectivity. Uh, it shows moral tension. Um, Entourage feels like it might develop some later on, depending on how the development of the characters go, and uh, the adventure sort of element kind of appeals to me. But I think that um, Sex and the City has more depth. Yeah, I think Sex and the City is going to be your your one that. A lot of people will turn to as the the show that really kind of opened their eyes to to different things and not just television and movies but um ways of experience lifing for females um but again it's the show's not for me i didn't enjoy it. i didn't like the look of it i didn't like the way it, the way it was shot but that's but the show the show isn't aimed for me i think that mm-hmm. i know i know certain things about the show that are going to happen later in in the show but just based on pop culture in the world and things that i've read um and i, I know that it, it, it's it, it stays true to itself all the way through. And I think the characters are really quite um, empowering and aligned, even if the first episode doesn't show that. Yeah. And something I didn't, I didn't mention before uh, when, I, when we were talking about sex in the city is that the theme song is actually iconic. You, you hear it and you instantly, you can instantly know what you're, you're watching. It's sort of permeated through. It's the uh, twinkly piano. Yeah. You know, with her getting splashed by the, by the bus is very, it. very iconic. Very, very um, iconic. And um, whereas Entourage, I can't even remember what the, the intro it's, it's the yeah. dude screaming oh yeah right oh the top, yeah which it it absolutely encompasses that show yes and like there's a subdued kind of uh, mysterious kind of playfulness to the to the sex in the city um you know theme song and then there's just a dude screaming oh yeah over the top of guys the- in a limo like it, it it perfectly encapsulates that show for me sex in the city gets the gets the, the nod I, I think it's there's clearly there's a reason it's iconic and clearly a reason it exists is because it does give that that platform where we're, females i don't think have had that platform previously so I, you know it's not i'm not target audience but i i completely understand it, it exists i think any females that are listening that haven't seen sex in the city i'd be surprised first of all if they'd, they'd not seen it but secondly if they haven't i think this is your platform i'd be questioning whether those characters are speaking for you or not because i based on that pilot i don't like any of those characters and i hope they improve and i hope that they there's something that you you see in them that that finds value because i for me i don't i don't like them i don't get it I will, I will say, Shan, before we um, jump on, but the, the this is a, they're both HBO shows. Yeah. So they're both they're both made you know with fairly high budgets behind them and freedom to kind of do whatever they want. Um, 
context and and um, what's in the show. But I, I will say I don't I don't think there's too many HBO shows that would be higher than Sex in the City for most people's knowledge that it is an HBO show. I think Game of Thrones is going to be your first one, and I think this will probably be next for most people's knowledge of HBO. If you're going to uh, name three HBO shows, I think this would be fairly sure. high up. Yeah, this would be fairly high up for most people. But it's certainly it's in the zeitgeist. Like it's people people know this show. Mm. People people will identify with this show, and they will you know those conversations about which Sex and City character are you are characters, you know, are, are conversations that people have and who they identify more with. Just like if I asked you right now who you're who you were as a Ninja Turtle, you'd immediately have an answer for that, right? You know. Yeah, I think just for the place it occupies in pop culture history and the impact it had on on the industry and I think society in general, I think Sex and the City is is the one that takes it out this episode for me at least. And and in terms of that, I I, I cannot I cannot advocate for, for Entourage. I don't. There's not any redeeming quality Precisely. that I can see in there. I, for me, it's just not a show that entertains me at all. No, it's I really hard because I, I I love I love this show generally I love the characters I've I've loved it since I first saw it, it it's really I, I can see the, the the ultimate flaws in the show and I can see I can see that they're really negative towards women and it doesn't get that doesn't get better I'm going to say that right now it doesn't mm-hmm. get better they they like that all the way through Turtle is just the one of the worst characters ever but you you learn to love him throughout the show um, based on his flaws but I I can't advocate now for new viewers to watch Entourage. Mm. Um, I think if you're going, if you're going to choose one, uh, but I, I can't advocate for guys to watch Sex in the City either. It's not made for us. Um, but I think if if you're a female out there who hasn't seen it, um, I think it's probably the one you have to go for. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I think if 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 there are men who want to watch it, they and they're they're particularly interested in in you know um, that aspect of of culture and 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 seeing you know how seeing how the conversation has changed over decades. Um, but if you're, imagining... if you're a good guy and you and you watch Sex in the City and go, they're portraying all men as complete, you know, selfish asses, you're not going to connect with that pretty quickly because I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty negative on maybe, men maybe overall kind of show. I don't, I don't know, but I'm getting the feeling yeah, that it's pretty negative towards men. See, at least, at least Entourage isn't negative towards females. They just treat them badly. Well... Well, I don't know. I think I think by their portrayal of them, they're, they're kind of being pretty negative to them, by definition. I think they're not treating them badly. I think they're the 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 means to the end is bad. But I don't think they're they're particularly they're not showing all females as as negative people. Where I think Sex in the City tends to slide, at least in this first episode, towards the all men are either uh, you know idiots or they're all they think about is sex. But, yeah, but they're I all, think they're all successful in their own right. That don't doesn't don't need a man. To, to make them successful, they can have conversations that don't that don't hinge on men's opinion. So mm. th- there's enough in there to say, you know, you're going to have enough for females doing their own thing in a, in a successful manner. Whereas in in Entourage, you've got one successful dude and a bunch of hangers-on who mm. who are there along for the ride. Um, and and Ari is is very successful in his in his role, but he's a he's a secondary cast member. Um, you know, Sex and the City at least has four powerful women doing their own thing and and finding their way through through relationships. That that has to be, be something. You know, yeah. our most powerful character, our most the, the character we're supposed to like an entourage, like I getting G'd up for what he was going to do to to Johnny Drama and Turtle to like as revenge. The best thing he thought of was to get Turtle to run an errand with an I love cock. 
bumper sticker as his revenge. Like this is the character we're supposed to like the most, I think, that's in, this, true. in this show. Yeah. And yeah. that's his best. He's a homophobic <laughs> joke. Like I was like, this could be something good. He's going to really – that's it. That's all he got. And, and I was so disappointed by that. I was like, that to me encapsulates that show perfectly. It built up to a cock joke. Like that's I, I'd hate to tell you otherwise. I'd really like to defend it more, but I can't. That, that's, can't. that's about, that's about as, as good as it gets. All I will say is that Ari becomes the fifth cast member. It's, it's not he's a secondary character. He is a main character. Okay. Maybe um, that's the way you do that show. Is you is you run it through Ari and, and his there's clients. so much more Ari. There's so much more Ari going forward. But his clients, I think, and, yeah, they and do, and they do an episode of Vincent Chase or a couple of episodes of Vincent and his entourage being giant jerks. Yep. And you actually see what Hollywood's like, but then you see other other that other characters that are better. I just think that, that that's maybe the trick is that's how you do that is you center it through through the agent. Well, it's it's not like that, but it there is a lot more of Ari and, and his um, the way he deals with other clients um, going forward. It just the, the the pilot episode is not a good not a good representation of yeah. what what it could you, be. It's a perfect representation of the show. It's going to be oh, a no, what it, show. of what it, of what it could be. Of what it can be and gets better, it gets, does get better on. Yep, and I'm just going to jump back in there and, and quickly just talk about Sex in the City and its portrayal, its portrayal of you know all men are bastards basically, and they're all failing to live up to to expectations. The central theme of that that episode is basically, in my mind, it's kind of building up towards the character's journey where they actually explore and find out that's not necessarily the case. That feels to me like looking at the pilot episode, that's going to be a theme of this show going forward, that there's this journey of discovery where they actually realise, and it's being set up in the first episode, where they actually realise, well, this this sort of vacuous or um, this uh, carefree life isn't actually what we necessarily really want and we don't really want to... Um, we don't really want to behave in this way or, or, or live this way. That's kind of what the, the first episode sort of said to me, this kind of lingering doubt that um, that they had. But I hate, to be, I hate to be negative, life. though. I hate to be negative, though, that the, but the main character you're, you're meant to be aspiring to and the one that they should be focusing that very point on is Mr. Big, and they fail miserably in that first episode. To set him up perfect, sure, yeah. but I, you yeah. get the impression that these characters are going to have meaningful relationships through the through the that's right. trajectory of the show. That, yeah, that, that's true. Whereas I don't get that impression from Entourage. But they had, but they had a better chance to show Mr. Big being the down to earth nice that's guy. The floor, for sure. That's the yeah, that's the only flaw. But I think that the the show as a whole is very very good. It's just not for me. But they could have, you know, we could have. Had a had a pullback as Mister Big's limo drove away, and he had an "I love cock" bumper sticker, <laughs> and that and that that's the difference between the show. But if you right? if you ended with it, with her asking, "Have you ever been in love?" and he says something like, um, "Yes," but that's a story for another time. Like that's that's a he doesn't have to show the absolutely like that's just it just it just that makes me think, God, this guy's a wanker. It also smacks a little bit of we're HBO, so we're going to swear as much. As yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's a bit that of well. that. So um, yep. and and the, and the slight nudity um, as well from both episodes, mm. both seasons. Was, was, it's just it's HBO pulling its strings. Yeah, but no I dragons think, though, which I always thought. No I was dragons. Waiting for the dragon number. I hadn't got the dragons yet, but I, I am. I am. That's my only really critique of the of that. It was his character. I think his was it was done badly, and if it was done better, I think it would have been received better for me as a pilot episode, yeah. and I could push harder towards people watching it. Mm. I, I feel like we're going to get letters here. So I feel like there's going to be people that are either fervently agreeing, agreeing with us or are screaming at the 
At How the, dare you? He's the best the character in the world <laughs> on both on both fronts. So if if you wanna if you want to, it's hard talk to argue to with Entourage though because you're, you're pretty bang on the head, but I still like it. Yeah. If you want to if you want to talk to us or argue with us, you can hit us up on all the usual channels. We have a Facebook. Um, we are on Twitter. You can you can tweet us. You can add us. You can Instagram us. You can send. Us I, I will say can... while Shannon's trying to talk the stuff he doesn't know about. Mm. Um, we did, both, I, did I cover that all right? Or was that... You, you, you did. Uh, we have two. So we have, there's the, the Mars Podcasters uh, normal Facebook page, the Harley TV History normal page, and Instagram. We both have one of each. There is a, both Instagram and... So there's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all one of each. If you talk to us, we'll find it, right? That's what we're Basically, trying to say. Yeah. You can also email <laughs> I think us. you can do it through Spotify as well. You can actually comment through Spotify. Yeah. Can you? I believe so. Oh, sweet. Um, so there's many ways to contact us. Just get us out there. Um, literally throw rocks in the air and yell, and we'll try and find you. Yeah. If, if anyone does that, I will I will give them some sort of award for throwing a rock and <laughs> no. with their opinion written on it. I think that's what Jake. Yeah, needs to be written it. on it. Like you can't an opinion written on a rock that? that you throw in the air. We'll, we'll what's, get the it somehow. Of, what's the point of throwing my, a rock? And throwing my preference is a blimp. Um, if you want to give us a message, skywriting would be amazing. Um, but you can you can talk to us on all those channels. But um, that's it from us um, in in what will be a hotly contested uh, episode. Thank you very much for listening. From me, final words are: don't watch, don't watch Entourage. That's it. I don't, I don't just don't watch it. <laughs> Shannon, you're such a Samantha, Shannon. Oh. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Good night, everybody.